0: Well, happy Father's Day weekend, and welcome to Chase Oaks at the Movies, where we have been drawing themes and inspirations from some of the bigger movies of the last few years to examine them through the lens of Scripture to see what we might learn about God and His incredible love for us. Well, as you may have noticed, that this weekend's movie is a little different than the ones of the previous weeks because this is from the animated musical feature Disney film, called Encanto. That's right. Today we're featuring Encanto and, and there's a couple things you need to know about this movie. One, it came out in 2021 in the summer and it actually was a box office flop. <laughs> it did not do well at all. We were emerging from the pandemic and, and we weren't quite ready to go to the movie theater yet. So it was quickly in the theaters and out. But very shortly after, in the fall of 2021, this became a streaming phenomenon. As word of mouth, people talked about this movie. One of the reasons they talked about the movie was because of the incredible music. And you know the incredible music because this team did an amazing job, didn't they? That was unbelievable. But a number of those songs were written by Lin-Manuel, uh, why did I forget his name? There we go. M- Miranda, that's right. Uh best known for writing uh and singing and acting, being the driving force behind Hamilton, right? Encanto is Encanto is set in Colombia. Um, the word Encanto it, it helps us to know that it's set in Colombia. It's got these beautiful vibrant colors. That's why I'm wearing my festive shirts. Uh, it has a strong familial theme. Um, but it's helpful to know that it's in Colombia because um, the word Encanto, most uh, maybe best translated, means charm or magical charm. It's the way we might think of driving through a small town or a small city with some historic buildings and homes. We go, oh, that place is full of charm. I could see myself here. It's full of peace. It's full of life. This is a charming city, and that's what Encanto is. Now, if this movie sounds a little familiar but you can't quite place it yet as i said it spread by word of mouth and in texas the word of mouth spread differently around here people would have a conversation over their water burger and they might talk about this new disney movie have you seen it yet uh people might talk about this over the holidays maybe thanksgiving as they were enjoying a slice of their pecan pie that they got at the walmart's Or maybe, while their car was getting serviced, getting the oil changed and car-washed, they talked about this movie Encanto. And so maybe there's a selection of you that go, oh, Encanto! I didn't know Encanto and Encanto were the same thing. And so now we're tracking some of us, but still, if you didn't have young children in 2021 or young grandchildren, there's a great chance you've missed this movie And so I want us all to watch this intro clip to kind of set us up for what God has for us today. So we meet Abuela telling the story of the family Madrigal to her granddaughter Maribel, recounting the story of how the family fled their home looking for a newer and safer home. The journey came at a significant cost though, and as she shared in their darkest moment, they were given a miracle. A miracle that transformed the land, a miracle that brought to them a casita, transformed the lives of everyone who was with them, and it even brought special gifts to the children and to their children. I bet you're wondering, what are the special gifts they got? Well, why don't I introduce you to the family Madrigal? Let's watch this. I wonder. That's a tough question. What's your gift? How would you answer that question? What's your gift? kind of an awkward question many of us know what we're good at but we, we go so far as to say it's our gift can we say that with any confidence in fact what we tend to be most confident about are the gifts that we don't have because we're pretty good at looking other pe- at other people and seeing their gifts and going I can't do that I can't do that but you know what we're actually not that good at valuing other people's gifts either um For example, Michael Jordan, he was drafted third in his draft class behind a guy named Sam Bowie. (laughs) I don't know how many basketball fans you have here, but Michael Jordan is considered the greatest basketball player of all time, and he was picked after Sam Bowie. Anyone know Sam Bowie? Like, by the way, if you're watching, like I'm not throwing shade at you, Sam Bowie. Like, He was a really good basketball player. He played 10 years in the NBA. He's really good. He's no Michael Jordan. Come on. He doesn't even compare. Or how about Tom Brady, right? The GOAT quarterback, recently retired, seven-time Super Bowl champion. When they lined up all the eligible players to be picked for the next upcoming football season, and they all say quarterback is the most important position, and I would tend to agree with them. Tom Brady was picked 199th. 199th, the GOAT, Tom Brady. So while we may be able to see each other's giftings, we're not really good at valuing our gifts. Now, I hope that gives a little peace to those of you who are having this little stirring deep within right now because perhaps you're remembering back to your childhood when you didn't get that tap on your shoulder inviting you to the talented and gifted program at your school. Sometimes we're not able to read people's talents and gifts. And and while it might not surprise you, I too wasn't able to get into the talented and gifted school, though it was for a different reason. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think there's a picture of the day that I found out that I wasn't going to be able to get into the school for gifted. Yeah, it's subtle there. It's tough if you don't have a sense of your gifting, what do you do? You might feel like you lack significance or purpose or value. And if you've ever felt that way, my guess is you can relate to this next scene where Mirabel is at the celebration of her cousin Antonio having received his gift. So I want you to watch this clip and I want you to see how Mirabel is responding to this moment. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. When you don't have a sense of your giftedness, you can feel invisible, desperate for someone to see your worth, desperate to know that you're significant. I've been enjoying over the last month reading a biography and autobiography by Paul Hewson, also known as Bono of the band U2. And maybe you might realize that or recognize his song, Invisible, U2's song, Invisible, that was really successful and popular in the early 2000s. Growing up in his home, his mother had passed away in his teenage years, being at home with his father who didn't appreciate his passion for music, his vision for being in a band and where it would take him. And so this led to a lot of conflict in the home, and he captures that in the song, Invisible, where he says, I'm more than you know. I'm more than you see here. I'm more than you'll let me be. I'm more than you know, a body and a soul. You don't see me, but you will. I'm not invisible. So when you don't know you're gifting, you can feel invisible. Well, this morning, as you can tell, one of the major themes of the movie Encanto is gifting. And today I want to turn to the scriptures and I want to look at three truths that we can grab from the scriptures that might inform how we see ourselves, and how we see others. And so the first truth I want us to consider is this. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift, and that gift comes from a gift giver. That's right. Everyone has a gift. And so it's not the gift that gives you value. It's not the gift that makes you significant. It's the fact that there is a giver of the gift who sees you who sees you as worthy of receiving a gift. Your value comes from being seen as given a gift. You don't have to go very far in your Bible to see that God sees you as valuable and worthy as a gift. In fact, if you take your Bible and you just turn to the very first page of Genesis, you'll find this verse here. It says this in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. It kind of reminds me of this game that people play that I'm not really good at. Um, it's this game they play when, when a baby is born. And you go see the baby for the first time with the, with the parents and the family. And, and you look at the baby. And then you start, like, assigning the features of the baby to the parent. Right? Like, <gasps> Oh, he's got your eyes. Or or that nose. Oh, that's his nose, isn't it? That's his nose. That's not your nose. It's his nose. Oh, that upper lip is yours, but that bottom lip is his. I'll be honest. Guys, when when I see a baby, like, I'm trusting the confidence that you have that this is your kid. Because I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not good at this game. They all kind of look the same to me. I mean, except for my kids who are here who I love them. They were amazing. I can tell right away. But what I do know is when we play this game, every parent kind of puffs their chest up, don't they? Oh, yeah. you think they've got my eyes? Yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but now that you do. Oh, yeah. That is his nose. He's got a big nose. Yeah. Yeah. But parents puff up with pride. But I don't think that... God is swelling up with pride because he's looking at your nose and saying, yeah, you've got my nose. Your color eyes are my color eyes. No, I think it goes further than that. I think it's a little bit deeper. It's a little bit more intimate and perhaps captured by the words in Psalm 139, penned by David here, who says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before you before a single day had passed. The picture that David paints. Of God as this master craftsman, watching over this process every step of the way. Every line, every crease, every edge, every groove is intentional, not one detail escaping the eye of the craftsman. This includes all the things you like about yourself and all the things you may not like about yourself. This includes all the things you know about yourself, and it includes all the things you have yet to discover about yourself. And by the way, this isn't just true for you or for me. This isn't just true for people who go to church or read their Bible. Now, it's not just a truth for those who believe in God, it's a truth for everyone. God made humankind in His image. And likeness. Every single person has within them some divine deposit, some divine thumbprint on their soul that is there to reflect the image of God. Everyone. Which is interesting because we will walk out these doors today into an incredibly polarized and divided world. Where safety seems to be best sought in the company of people who look like us, who think like us, who act like us, who talk like us. But if we consider this first truth, we realize we have something in common with everyone and that God has seen fit to make us in his image. That we are his image bearers interesting to think about when we think about the stories of Jesus how often he was found hanging out with dining with the sinners the tax collectors the prostitutes the outcasts those who had been pushed to the side and marginalized it's perhaps like perhaps Jesus sees people differently than we see people Perhaps he has eyes to see the divine deposit that, he's, that God has placed within everyone. What would our world look like? What would our cities look like? What would our neighborhoods look like? If instead of seeing our differences, we looked more deeply into the people that God has placed in our lives and we sought to see that divine deposit. I think it would change everything. And in Kanto, they're seeking a refuge of safety. I think we would begin to create that when we understand this first truth about our gifting. The second truth I want us to know about our gifting is your gifts, my gifts, our gifts and talents are meant for blessing others. They're not meant for burdening others. How do our gifts become a burden to others? Become a burden to others when we misvalue our gifts. When we overvalue our gifts. When we use our gifts to make our way in the world. Maybe to build our career or our kingdom or our path. When those gifts are used for our gain and benefit. But that's not what our gifts are for. They're here for blessing others. Likewise, when we misvalue gifts, sometimes we undervalue our gifts. And, and we invite people and push them to the forefront and say, Hey, my gift is not as strong or as necessary or as needed or as valuable as their gift. So let's push them to the front. And we create for them a burden their gift was not meant to be. They crumble under the weight of it like Louisa, the song that our team played so incredibly well, who was cracking under the pressure. We misvalue our gifts. We risk a big head, which is why Paul writes in Romans this. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Our gifts are meant to be a complement to each other, not in conflict with one another. As I said, we can sometimes drift to overvalue our gift, and sometimes we can undervalue our gifts. And it can cause us to shrink back Withdraw from the world. Withdraw from the places that God's placed us. There's actually a character in Encanto who fits this description. This character has withdrawn to the point that he's living inside the walls of the casita. And I'd love to tell you more about Bruno, but we don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. And as I said, our gifts, when rightly valued, are complementing. They complement each other. Which is why Paul continues in this text to say this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to, to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What a broad range of gifts Paul references there. We need to rightly value our gifts. We need to steward our gifts and employ our gifts, but Honestly, before we can even do that, we've got to discover our gifts. Now, admittedly, I grew up not in that talented and gifted program. In fact, I struggled in school and struggled with academics and really grew up under this narrative of I did not have anything special to offer the world. I just didn't know my giftings. But as I grew older, uh, I was able to discover some of my giftings. And, And here's the deal. Discovering your gifts are hard. I mean, your gifts are your normal. You were born with them. So it's hard to value them well. It's hard to discover them. You need some mirrors to reflect your gifts back to you. And some great mirrors are people. Trusted friends, a spouse, a parent, a family member. It could be a coach, a mentor, a teacher, a neighbor, a coworker, a counselor. These are people who will reflect their experiences with us back to us so that we might know how we're gifted, how we're wired. But another mirror can be an assessment. I know Lots of people love assessments. I, everyone loved the Myers-Briggs, and now the big one seems to be the Enneagram. Or people love to take assessments to learn about themselves. And when I was in my young 20s, I took an assessment called Strength Finders, and, and it revealed some strengths to me that I was like, Yeah, I am good at that. But I just hadn't heard from anyone that those were my gifts. This Father's Day, I might encourage you, fathers, in fact, I would encourage us all, to give one of the best gifts you can give your children an awareness of their gifts and strengths. Don't let them grow up not knowing that they're valuable, that they have a gift to offer the world. And so I want to even just recommend a resource, this book, Strength-Based Parenting. I loved this book for me as a parent of young kids. It offered an incredible framework for looking at my children and rightly seeing them. And there, there's a chapter on how to just evaluate the giftings of children from ages 0 to 10. Can you spot some of those gifts? I felt equipped to... Help identify those gifts, cultivate those gifts in my kids. Give them courage and confidence to live out those gifts, to bring themselves to the world. Likewise, if you were to order this book new, there's actually two codes in here to assessments. One that's for kids ages 10 to 14. And they can take this code that's in the back, you buy the book, and there's a free uh, assessment code in there where they can take the assessment and your children aged 10 to 14 can learn about some of their strengths. You can have an incredible conversation as a parent, grandparent, mentor, and friend. Likewise, there's also a code in here for the Strength Finder Assessment, which they say is for children 15 and up. So you could buy this $14 book on Amazon and look at all the people you could impact and help them discover their gifts. But in discovering their gifts, we also need to teach them how to rightly value their gifts. And so... Our two truths thus far is that we're made in the image of God and that God has extended His presence. He's given us uh, the gift of His image. The second is that we can be drifting to overvaluing and undervaluing our gifts, which then make our gifts a burden for other people instead of the blessing it's supposed to be. The third truth I want to talk about today is that you were given a gift on purpose, for a purpose. Your specific gifts are a clue to your unique God-given purpose Fewer conversations Going on in the world today That are as important And popular as the questions Surrounding purpose What's my life's purpose? What's God's purpose for my life? What is the story God's invited me into? This is Mirabelle I'm longing to shine I know that I'm made for more This is Bono singing I'm not invisible and I'll show you I know I'm made for more I think everyone in this room has had a moment where they're asking God, is there more you have for me? I think the Bible has something significant to say about that. Growing up in my home, we had these Bible verses on flashcards. And we would memorize these verses. and, And some of my favorite verses came from the book of Ephesians. One of my favorites that I'd memorized was Ephesians 2. 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God. Not by works so that no one may boast. Oh, such a great verse. I know many of us know that verse. Another one of my favorite verses from Ephesians is this next one. It, it, it says this, it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I laughed that first verse was Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and that was on one card. And later in the deck, that last verse was Ephesians 2:10. So really I memorized Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. They, they all went together. But I'm kind of embarrassed to say uh, that up until about 10 years ago, I hadn't really learned or mashed them together. When you put those three verses together, I think there's an understanding we can't achieve when they're apart. See, many of us refer to Ephesians 2, 8, 9 as the gospel. We talk about God's grace. We talk about our faith in him. We talk about our salvation We say, oh, this is a perfect uh, passage to illustrate the gospel, the good news that there's a God who loves us. But I think Ephesians 2.10 is also a part of that gospel. And unfortunately, as I look back on my life, I have been living out a 2.10-less gospel in Ephesians 2.8 and 9 gospel and Ephesians 2.10-less gospel leads us to this life where we're wanting and waiting. We're wanting and waiting for God to show up and to take us home so we can spend eternity in heaven with Him. We want out of this place. But Ephesians 2.10 says, there's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why you're here. You're my workmanship. You're my handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works that you might do them, that you might live them out, that you might walk them out. God has made you in his image and he has given you gifts to bless others so that you might bring heaven to earth. I'm reminded, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is here. We're reminded that Jesus taught his disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The reason we are made in the image of God, the reason God has given us gifts of blessing is so that we can be a part of this bigger story. This bigger story where we, when rightly employing our gifts together, can bring heaven to earth. I love this invitation that God extends through his prophet Jeremiah. Because I think this is the invitation that God has for us. Jeremiah 29 says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, To all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease, do not shrink back, do not hide, do not huddle and isolate and escape but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. These verses paint a powerful vision for what God is doing in the here and now. My prayer for you, my prayer for us that God begins to open our eyes to the divine deposit that He's placed within us. That He opens our eyes to see all of us, all of the unique gifts and talents and skills that He's given us so that we might employ them, we might not hold on to them or hoard them or use them for our own gain, but that we might surrender them to Him to be a part of this larger story that He's writing. Because when we do, I believe we'll bring heaven to earth. When we do, I believe we will make an encanto. Let's watch this last clip. My prayer for us today is that we can open our eyes and see ourselves as God has made us. That we can see ourselves the way God sees us. That we can see our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our coworkers. That we can see them. A conversation about gifting is a conversation about seeing. And I pray that God gives us the eyes to see. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are and for how you love us, Lord. God, your word expresses how much you love us and that you see us. God, your word says that you love us, that you sent your son for us, that you spared no expense to reconcile us to you. I'm so thankful that you see us. I'm so thankful that you see me. God, help me see you. Help me see you and me. Lord, again, we thank you for this time that we can be together as a church. May we walk out these doors into the world fully embracing who you've created us and called us to be. We love you, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen.